Brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Jillian Jarvis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited because uh, a mutual friend of ours or one of the people I work with, Andrew, suggested I have a chat with you because... You, my dear, are doing something that I think is pretty great and um, you're having open dialogue and you're opening up the platform to support women in what they're doing and their life goals. And you're giving people, you're giving people other individuals who are super inspiring. You know, you're giving these kids access to them by teaching them so much. And uh, I thought that was such a great thing you're doing for humanity. I was like, I got to talk to this woman. Vice versa. Anyone Andrew recommends, I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. Brass and Unity is incredible. I love what you've done with your experience. And yeah, I, I'm just, I'm honored to be here and have a conversation. Oh, well, good. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're definitely, you and I are definitely not, uh, I think, maybe in the position we thought we would be in when we first started out in our world, but uh, we're here nonetheless. And so you know, just as much as jewelry wasn't my thing, I don't know that this was your plan. So can you kind of tell everyone a little bit about who you are and why I think you're cool? Totally. And I, you hit the nail on the head. This is absolutely not what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, even when I started the organization that I now run, I didn't think it was going to become what it is. It was a side project. So a little background about myself. Um, I grew up in Washington. I am, uh, I identify as an athlete. So, you know, I played sports my entire childhood. It was so much about who I was and, and what I did. Um, I played soccer and then I ultimately ended up ski racing. So I ski raced in college. I made the U S ski team. Um, and upon retiring, had a little bit of an identity crisis. Like if I'm not a ski racer anymore, what am I? What do I do with, what do I do with my life? Um, and so I ended up getting into sales. I sold copiers for a while. I went into recruiting and I, I still had this tie to ski racing. So I was ski coaching on the side on the weekends and whatnot. And it was there that this idea of Z girls was born. And um, to make a very long story short, I was, I was working with athletes, boys and girls, and was noticing that girls are so much harder on themselves than boys. The things that they would say to themselves, I can't do it. I hate my body. I don't have what it takes was shocking. But it, what was more shocking is me as a 20 year old mentoring them had the same things in my brain. I was telling myself the same things. And so it just, it kind of was a light bulb moment of, okay, if I'm saying this to myself in my twenties, is this where it starts? Does it start in adolescence that you just start saying these things to yourself and then they become beliefs. And then you're in adulthood wondering why you don't have confidence and why you don't believe in yourself. Well, you've been telling yourself these terrible, terrible things for so many years, eventually you're going to start believing it. So, um, I started, uh, Z girls with a fellow U S ski team athlete. And, um, it was really our desire to empower, elevate, support girls in adolescence before they, you know, hit adulthood and all the, 
you know, things that come with life. And, um, you know, we, we partner with a lot of other professional athletes. So we have a different athlete on every single week. Sometimes they're Olympians, sometimes they're pro athletes. Sometimes they, you know, played sports in high school or college and are off to do other amazing things. Um, but really it's just them coming on and sharing their experiences with dealing with exactly what it is that we teach. That's so incredible because my God, you're right there. I think that's why I under, I wanted to chat with you too. There was part of me as an adult um, now not being a competitive athlete any longer, but doing that my whole life, there is so much that goes into adolescence and sport and the mentality behind it, the mindset, the way we're taught and how we're taught to think about ourselves. I mean, how long did you, what, how old were you when you first really started competing or taking whatever it was that you were doing seriously? I started skiing at two, but I started racing, I think at eight. Um, I have three siblings. I have two older brothers and I pretty much wanted to do anything that they did. So they started to get really serious. And so I was like, well, I just, I want to do whatever it is that they're doing. And so um, I would say I started to get really serious around eighth grade. And that's when I had to start making decisions of like, okay, I need to start traveling. I need to start making sacrifices. You know, I'm not going to go to this dance or this event or this birthday party because I need to be training or I need to be traveling. I need to be racing. Um, and then uh, honestly, my brother made the US ski team from when I think it was after his freshman year of college. And when he made the US ski team, I was like, are you kidding me? If my brother can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so that's what it like hit for me that I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. Again, I think, uh, he's three years older than me. So, um, you know, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is, it's game on. Let's do this. What a difference, right? When you're young, where that really clicks, when that really happens, because I know, especially for girls, um, take skiing out of it. Uh, gymnastics, for example, they get serious real young, real quick. And in a way that is like terrifying, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And honestly, it's just getting younger and younger. And it doesn't matter whether it's gymnastics or any sport. So many um, sports are asking young people to specialize so much younger. You know, when I was, I grew up playing soccer and ski racing. I'm so glad I got to do two sports, a team sport and an individual sport. But nowadays, honestly, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to play soccer because they wanted you to specialize in only that sport at like 10, 11. Yeah. It gets intense quick. Real, like real life hits these little humans hard in the face. I mean, I think China had the youngest Olympian. She was 14. She was a diver. Was it last year? I can't believe it. I didn't, I, she was on point too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they really, really trained hard and hard. And honestly, you know, part of me wonders if sort of their um, innocence and, and like, you know, not having the mentality of like the, the weight of the world watching them, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that helps them a little bit, but then, you know, second the, Olympics comes around and it's, whoo. Well, the real reality, it's all like the first time it's all like, oh, this is new or this is new. It's like, I had, uh, a really great, uh, brand ambassador of Brass and Unities. Um, her name is Lisa Rope, Lisa Roman. She's a gold Olympic, uh, Olympian. She's a rower and she's, she actually lives really close. She came in and we got to hold the medal and, <laughs> and she's one of the coolest humans I've ever met. But we, we talked about that. Like her sport was an older sport. Like, I mean, rowing, you didn't get serious to, till much later. And, you know, I, 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 I go back thinking to when I was young and when I was fighting and what that was like with the sacrifices being made, not only for you, but for your parents and the lifestyle that brings and the, and, and the dynamic that is that, I mean, and having two older brothers already in that, I'm sure your parents, I'm sure your parents really loved that a third was along either one because of hand-me-downs super easy or two, because they figured, well, we're bringing her along anyway. Honestly, the reason we all got into skiing in the first place is because my parents wanted something to do, like something to put us in so they could go skiing. So they yeah. put us all in ski team <laughs> together and they're like, great, this won't become something. It'll just be a weekend, you know, it just event. No. And then all four of us became very serious ski racers. So flash forward, you know, 20, 20 plus years. And they're like, what were we thinking? There is, <laughs> you know, other ways to entertain our kids, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. And, you know, so happy it worked out the way it did. 
Well, so many sports are so, uh, I, again, I had this discussion this morning. Um, so many people, I feel like now are, if they didn't understand the value of sport, my God, are they ever starting to understand it after COVID? Or I'm hopeful because what I'm seeing the changeover is individuals really taking their health seriously and then changing their lifestyle so that then they don't pass on that really, you want to say generational trauma off to their tiny humans. Like they're seeing, you know, really what impact they can have as people. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of sport come out of this. I'm seeing a lot of individuals who I never thought would put their kids in sport really start the mindset is important and giving them structure and discipline is, is something in itself. Do you think you would be who you are now? If you without didn't? sports? Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. No. Um, I think I would have found, so actually let me, let me back up really quick because at Z girls, we, we teach what we teach through the lens of sports. So we have right. athletes on, but everything we teach can be, it's important for anyone. And, you know, it's sort of what you touched on, like, you know, resilience, being on a team, learning how to work towards a goal. And I think that if I didn't have athletics or sports, I would have done it in something else. So I do think that there are many ways to, you know, learn life skills. And for me, it was this. So I am so grateful that I learned how to work towards a goal. I'm grateful that I learned how to navigate and deal with failure. I, you know, learned how to be a teammate, but also hold myself accountable to my own goals. On the flip side, I also have a lot of things that I'm unpacking. And one of the reasons why I started Z Girls is because my self-worth was all wrapped up into what, you know, I did and how I performed. Um, I was very, very hard on myself. Um, I think outwardly, I came off as a very confident individual. I was outgoing. I spoke a lot, but inside the things I was telling myself was, you know, who do you think you are? You don't have what it takes. You're the worst. So, you know, I, I do think there's some really beautiful things that came from my time in sports and I'm grateful for. And there was also some things that um, I, I think I didn't have a lot of self-compassion around that I'm now working on and I'm why I'm so passionate in supporting girls is because, you know, I think we all are human and have those things. And, um, you know, that, that was just my journey in how I discovered it. So you had, you, you struggled with imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit still just a tiny and, bit. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. And you know, it's still there. There's still times where, you know, whether it's a speaking engagement or standing up in front of, you know, a large group of donors asking them to, you know, be a part of Z Girls and be a part of what we're doing. You know, there's that voice in the back of my head that says, what do you, what do you mean? Like, who, who would want to be a part of this? Who, who would, who would see this mutual vision? And I guess I've, I've really started to practice what I preach and recognize that it's just a thought. And it's just a thought and it's okay that it's there. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing bad about having those thoughts. They're there, but do you give them power? You know, do you believe them? Do you let them drive the car and, and run with it? No. And I don't shame myself for having it either and acknowledging even that it's there and normalizing it because I swear there are many of us out there that have those thoughts um, and it's okay. Yeah, no, you're completely right. There's a difference between letting it drive. It's the, I call that the, I have that, everyone has that voice, but I have that voice and it speaks really loudly and it really depends. There's ways to dampen that voice. And when you give people the tools to actually take back power of their own thoughts and their own lives, it's, it's, it's not only empowering to see it happen to somebody else, but it gives you, it feeds you a little bit that you're, because you see yourself in that individual, right? As a small, you see a smaller human and you see the struggles that they go through. Nobody wants anybody else to feel any more pain than they have to. Nobody else wants anybody else to suffer any more than's necessary. And when you've been through something, you can't help be empathetic and want to hold that little human, that little inner child and be like, it's okay. It's cool. We'll be all right. We got this. Here's some tools you didn't know, but we'll give them to you, you know? Oh, it makes my heart happy. 100%. 100%. I mean, it's like, what do we wish that we had learned at that age? That's what we're going to try to, you know, help wh whoever it is, whether even as a friend or mm -hmm. someone that's much younger than you, or I now have two daughters. 
So they're much younger. So they're two and, and eight months. So one can't talk yet. And the other one's just starting to talk. And um, I just recently discovered the things I'm saying to her, her are often the things that I wish I had heard at that age. And they're the things that I, I needed to hear. And so I'm like, you know, parenting myself while also parenting her and saying, it's okay. You know, I can't tell you how many people like I've heard that from. It's crazy. I know, but it's, it's amazing to see people acknowledging their own, their own things that they were missing in their lives instead of just kind of overlooking it and, and repeating patterns. I always like to acknowledge that because that often comes when you realize that it's not that your parents did anything wrong. They tried maybe the best that they could, but with the tools available to them as an adult, you look back and go, oh, wait, your parents are just adults. They can, they make mistakes the same way you would make a mistake. But for some reason, when we're young and we're adolescent like that, the most impressionable time we see these people as, you know, as gods or as like the, the pinnacle and you, you take what you learn from them and you, and you hope that you do the best with it. But as you learn, and as you grow as a human being, you know, it's a great thing to see people actually acknowledging that they need to work harder change up the way we do things, evolve and grow in with mindset. As we learn more, we should be explaining and giving them the tools. Absolutely. And, you know, I, we have a lot more language around, you know, mental health. Now there's a lot more conversations that happen vulnerably, openly, and honestly about where people are at. And I think we've started to normalize. I hope even more so the fact that we all as human beings have negative thoughts and destructive thoughts. And, you know, we all struggle to some degree with a version of imposter syndrome. And, you know, we all can be really hard on ourselves and we all experience uncomfortable emotions and feelings. And, you know, I don't think my parents knew that we could talk about it, that we didn't have language around it yet. And so we're still learning and growing and it's fun to have these conversations with family, with friends, with my daughters about it. Um, and I'm constantly learning and growing. And I, I guarantee there's going to be things that I say wrong to my daughters. There's going to be things I do wrong. Like, and they're going to say, okay, now they're going to parent their kids in a new way and, you know, change it. But we're all doing our best. I think you had just said that, like they did their best. I'm doing my best. We're all doing our best. That's right. I think as long as you're attempting to do your best, there's nothing wrong with the outcome. I mean, as long as there's, you know, intent in mind, there's nothing wrong with the outcome. Um, but at what point though, like you were, you're working, you're doing this, but like, at what point do you really start taking this seriously? Do you see the potential for Z girls to grow into what it is now? Because it's really, I mean, how long has it been, how long has it existed now? So we started with like a pilot program in 2013 and we became a nonprofit in 2014. So I think we're entering our ninth year, um, eighth, ninth year. And so, you know, to back up a little bit. So yeah, I, Z girls was born out of, you know, seeing these girls and the need to help support them. We launched a pilot program with a group of ski racers just for fun. It was like a weekend thing. It was six weeks long. We would teach a skill, um, a mental skill, and then we would go do a physical activity with our bodies. So whether it's a hike, a yoga class, what have you. Um, and at the end of it, the girls and the parents were like, okay, what's next? Like, you got them, you got them hooked. Like you can't leave them, you know, they need right. to keep learning from you. And we want this mentorship and this relationship. So we were like, maybe we're on to something here. Like maybe this could be something much bigger than just ski racing. So we entered this idea of Z girls into the university of Washington business plan competition. There was 92 other teams and we ended up getting second place um, and some seed funding. So, it's, you know, $25,000, which isn't going to fund an organization, but um, one of the final judges um, came up to us. This is like full on like Cinderella story, like came up to us and was like, Hey, if you mean everything you just pitched and, you know, got all these judges to give you second place for, I want to make sure this happens. And I want to help, help see this through. And so he was our initial angel donor and, um, you know, stuck with us for a couple of years to help teach us how to be fundraisers and teach us how to get this up off the ground. It, it, he was just so instrumental in, in seeing this vision with us. And um, another big part was 
reaching out to other Olympians saying, Hey, here was our experience as athletes. Did you have something similar? And every single one was like, this is what I wish I had when I was a little girl. I wish that I had a mentor. I wish someone had told me, you know, you are not your sport. You are more than your sport. You have confidence within, you know, be courageous, lean into fear. It's okay. Like fear is not a bad thing. And, you know, all these life skills we're trying to teach. And so, um, you know, we really started to, you know, gain momentum probably 2017, 2018. Um, and now we're in a national program. COVID actually um, <laughs> was one of the things that forced us. We used to be an in-person program. It forced us to go online. But the nice thing is the world went online and, um, you know, girls got access to computers that maybe didn't have them before. And so, you know, we got to be with girls in their homes in isolation and, you know, they're navigating this unprecedented time for the world. And we got to do it together and we got to be together and say, Hey, you know, we had Olympians sharing that they were working out at home in their kitchen using milk jugs as weights because they couldn't go to the gym and the 2020 Olympics was being postponed. And so they're like, I'm trying to train in quarantine and you know the girls just they feel so connected because they they also feel isolated and so hearing from an olympian um or someone they look up to a role model that they're struggling to is is life-changing um because i think i think hearing vulnerability from other people it, it normalizes it it makes you feel not crazy it makes you you know feel like you belong so it's been an evolution of a couple of years and it's been super, super fun. And it could be the athlete in me and the one that, you know, is never satisfied with where we're at. Um, but I'm like, we have so much more to go, you know, like we serve hundreds of girls every season. I want to be serving thousands. I want to, you know, I want to be supporting every single girl in the country that they deserve access to these, these, these tools should be, you know, available to everybody. Um, it's life-changing stuff. And once you learn it, it's up to you to put it into practice, but I just don't think this should be something that, you know, you should have to get access to some way. It should be something, you know, that's what we're trying to do is just give it to everybody. Well, and that's the difference. There's, there's plenty of ways. I mean, look, the way we give access to thing normally is we give it when the government says we can have it and that's not worked. I mean, we've allowed, we've had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things to happen um, because of it. And when you see a need for others, that's, it's really unique because during COVID, you really, we really went through, uh, I believe a massive shift in humanity because it, that really wasn't just a lockdown that was significantly scientifically proven damaging to yeah. people's psyches, um, especially young kids because they cannot wrap their little brains around it, nor should they have never been made to try to wrap their little brains around it. Like you are so lucky how old your children are because they just missed the BS. And I have a five-year-old going on six. We walked through that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That shit did not exist in my home. I'll tell you that right now. I watched mm. little humans brains explode and that was going to be the last thing I was going to do to my kid. Adult problems don't get put on, 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 on tiny humans. That's not how we roll. So with, with seeing how much you've been able to grow it over COVID, I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am about that because I'm so angry about the way we handled our children's psyches. And so to see that you not only normalized it by putting people in the homes with kids that really at a point needed this more than probably any other time in our, in our, in our lifetime, I'm really hoping we're done now. Yeah. been through like our generation's been through a few wars, uh, but in one personally, our generation's now been through a pandemic. Like, let's chill out. We've had a few recessions. Like, let's take it down a notch humans. Just take it down. So Can we just chill out for a minute. I don't know. <laughs> Can we just do that? I mean, I, I got myself a sticker the other day because I just, sometimes we just need to calm the fuck down, just like calm, calm down. So when I see you doing that, what I love the most about a couple of those things was you you're trying to make it accessible because it's the right thing to do, not because it's going to make you a billionaire. Thanks for that. But also 
it was nice that you allowed kids and girls to see Olympians training in an environment that they can recognize and familiarize, familiarize themselves with to not only help with feeling like they have a community, which is the biggest thing, but you also show them that you don't have to be, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be a special person. You don't have to go to a fancy gym. You don't have to do any of that. You can go in your kitchen, you can grab what you have and you can make it happen. And when you do that young enough, hopefully things like diabetes will slow down. Hopefully things like poor choices in life will slow down because you've given them a tool. How do we make this accessible for everybody? How do we do this so that every person feels like they could have support like this? Yeah, that's the big question that we're trying to solve. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm grateful that COVID forced us to go online because it lowered the barrier to participate. So before when we, you know, would run workshops or camps, you had to get there. You had to have transportation. You had to have childcare, you know, to be able to get them there. And now we come to girls wherever they're at. So whether it's in a home or whether it's in a community center, we work with boys and girls clubs, we work with schools. So we are trying to make it as easy as possible to give these tools to everyone that wants them. Um, and you know, financial ability to pay is never a barrier. So that's why we fundraise. We fundraise to make it accessible so that you pay what you can. And if you can't pay, then you don't have to. Um, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, what we teach everybody needs access to. We've, we get that question all the time. What about the boys? What about the adults? What about us? You know, humans? And what about asking humans? for a friend? Exactly. You know, and we get women all the time saying, I need this. When are you going to do trainings for women? And, you know, we're like, let us tackle the girls first. You know, right. let's, let's solve this inequality issue. Let's solve the confidence gap. Let's, let's make girls and boys, you know, level, and then we'll, we'll start, you know, working on different groups and, and how to do that. We have a lot of work to do. Um, and we have a lot more girls that don't have this yet. Don't, don't even, they don't even, they're not even aware that their thoughts shape their reality. I mean, that is groundbreaking breaking in and of itself. Just the awareness that, whoa, that is just a thought. That's just a thought. That's, that's what it is. Um, and then what do you do with that thought is a whole nother thing. You know, there's lots of tools, um, but just giving people the education and the language around understanding the thing that we all have, which is a brain and the thoughts that we all have, because the problem is it's silent. The problem is no one can read each other's minds. And we all think, you know, Kelsey, you think the way I do. You don't. You have your own unique experiences, your own unique past and thoughts. And unless we are willing to share that with each other, you know, you, you could get trapped in it. You could get trapped in it alone and feel alone. And so, you know, we are such advocates for one, giving girls these resources and tools, but creating a community that's safe for them to share share themselves, share with each other and know that they belong here and they don't have to change who they are. They don't have to be someone different. Um, they can just come and be. And so, you know, to get back to your original question of like, how do we give everyone access to that? That's what we're trying to solve, you know, because we, we genuinely believe that this can change the world. You know, if you give people the ability to understand their own mind, I think that can change the world. It's also something really dangerous and it's a radical thought. Probably. You know that, right. It's a super <laughs> radical thought. No, no. Like, let's be, uh, let's be completely honest. If you, what you're threatening to do is give individuals critical thinking. Mm -hmm. You're threatening to give individuals freedom of thought to really explore. That's dangerous. Why? Because if you give people the ability to have critical thinking, or choice, or real freedoms, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now. You know of, how I, of just our own choices, our own life, our own realities. Simple, simplistic things. For example, take online censorship. 
critical thinking very often, at least in the current time, is dangerous and is punished heavily. Any sort of critical thinking is, regardless of the side, it is. Um, I know it because I'm currently being online censored. I know it so much so because it's they're threatening to shut my company down, level online censored. So when you give people critical thinking, you give people brains that cannot be controlled or manipulated, but they can truly be individuals. That is scary to people. I think it's necessary, but I think that's why you're always going to have a bit of a push is in, in the real world, what you're attempting to do, and I think you actually will end up being very successful in, is you're giving girls the next generation, and we know how it works with women. When women succeed in a family and in a community, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love and, it. You know, you know what I love is like, I think our culture has been afraid of women in their power. They've been so afraid of like women finding their voice and finding their power and what's going to happen with the world. And I'm like, that's what I want to see. I want to see these girls lean into courage and do it anyway, even if they might fail. And I want them to show each other what that looks like. And the other huge thing that I grew up with that I'm trying to change is this perception that there's a scarce amount of X for women, whether it's smart, strength, power, intelligence, what have you. There's only so much. And if you get it, Kelsey, I can't have it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to push you down when I'm rising uh, because if you have it, I can't. So I need you not to have it so I can have it. Correct. And it is, it is literally ingrained in me. And I have to constantly remind myself that I can elevate the women and girls around me and also be elevated. You can be powerful and successful and run a successful company. And so can I, and we don't have to compete with each other for the same amount of whatever it is. And so I think that is another thing that we're trying to create with community is girls often put each other down because they're insecure. And there's the belief that, you know, I need to put you down for me to feel better about myself. And they're yeah. completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the truth, especially that, that age bracket that you're trying to really help? Oh, that's the, mo- that's the most vicious time in schooling for girls. It, yes. We're ruthless. We're mean little individuals. All of us are. All, All of, us. of us are. So we have a whole session on clicks, clicks, friends. And um, we talk about it. And, and what we say in it is, you know, we, we bring up some questions about mean girls. Everybody knows the mean girl but we ask them to reflect on themselves and recognize the mean girl within them because we've all been it. I've been it. I, when I look back on some of the things I used to say and do, I'm, I'm mortified. I'm embarrassed. I feel shame around it. And, you know, I I would say even now there's probably things that I say that fall in line with what my conditioning and that, you know, misconception and, and misbelief about, you know, we're all competing for the same thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the only way I know to combat it is to talk about it, be honest about it and work towards making it better. And so, you know, that's, that's my goal. And that's what I'm trying to do because it's heartbreaking. And I hope I am right. I hope we do create this culture that creates change. And I do think courageous girls will change our world hundred percent. And I'm, I look forward to seeing what that world looks like. Um, I look forward to seeing what these, these leaders look like. It's going to rattle some cages and I'm in, I'm in for it. <laughs> oh, good. It needs, we need to be shook. Holy. Like, I mean, not like shaken baby shook, but I mean, the world does. The, the rest of humanity needs to be shook. It needs to realize what it's done. It needs to yeah. realize the repercussions of um, continuous 
but in some countries still continuous oppression to the extent in which it is. I mean, for God's sakes, Afghanistan slid backwards. I can speak on that just because I've yeah. watched it and I'm like, ah, uh, they've slid backwards, which has been really hard to watch for a lot of people in my community who have done a lot of work over there. And especially people like combat flip-flops. I mean, my God, they had got 800 girls literacy access in Afghanistan. And now it has to slide backwards because we, so for some reason we think it's okay to oppress girls. And it's only because I, I believe it's out of fear. It's just, yeah. it is. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we see it time and time again, you know, um, and when you give girls, you know, I, I believe when you give girls two things, education, and then honestly, um, uh, Melinda Gates is the one that I, educated me on this, which is like access to birth control and, the, you know, the ability, even hygiene, feminine hygiene, tampons, and being able to work through your period. And, you know, that changes the world. Um when women get that kind of education and power, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful, but it's also again like there's always going to be the countries we're going to have to fight for it uh, for individuals. Which in this day and age, it's just wild to think about the, how spread out we are. But yet, somebody else, like an eight-hour plane ride away, can't can go out their house without permission from someone. That I boggles my brain, like to the extent that I. I can't comprehend it sometimes because I, I wonder, I wonder how, I always think about how those societies will progress and if they will or not. And, and it's almost like, it's a clear path. If you look at countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, any of the countries that have a little more control over women, like Saudi Arabia, those places, you can see the progression is slowed. They don't, they don't, they don't evolve as quickly. I mean, in terms of look at things like structural, look at like schooling, look at medical, they're not, you know, they're not pumping out people like North America or like the UK in terms of female doctors, female that like, it's just not happening. Um, So I just believe the more you push girls down, it's just a sheer sign of weak men in power. And fear. Fear. Fear is a motivator, isn't it? It is. I, I feel like a lot of what we do in life is motivated or reaction to fear of some kind. So like fear of fear of how you're interpreted, fear of not fitting in, fear of making a mistake, um, fear of letting people down. Like, I feel like that can be a big motivator, fear of other people's power. There's so much fear in our world for sure. Um, and <laughs> You know, I, I, I keep going back to like, cause this is just all I, I live in and, and work in every single day. But, um, I honestly feel like at least in our culture, cause I do want to acknowledge like what you just spoke to, which is women all over the world and how devastating it is that they don't have the basic privileges that we do. Um, and I, I shouldn't even say privileges, human rights that we do mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, and so that is devastating. And I feel like, oh, if I, yeah, it, it breaks my heart um, in thinking how to, how to solve that and how to fix that. Um, but at least here in the United States, you know, I, I do think so many girls limit themselves because of fear. When they feel fear, it means I can't step away. That's uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. What happens on the other side of it? And one of the biggest things that we teach is that fear can be a friend and you can let fear sit next to you and still take action, still move forward, even if fear is there. And I think a lot of us believe that courageous people don't feel fear, you know, and that (laughs) they, they did that and they didn't have fear. They, they somehow have so much confidence how can I be that way? And I think we need to share more about, no, I was scared out of my mind. Like, yeah. you know, terrified. yeah, terrified. Um, whether you're actually terrified for your life or you're just, you know, it's an emotional feeling, but I think teaching girls to have a different relationship with fear than an adverse one. And I can't feel that I need to get away from it, but Hey, fear is okay. And that can exist. 
And so can courage. And so can I have the strength to get through whatever it is. I do have the strength within me to handle if it doesn't work out. Um, Cause I, I genuinely believe that they do. And they, it's already in there. I'm not, I'm not teaching them what they don't already have. It's just giving them access to that strength within them. That's what we're trying to do. Well, that's the beautiful thing is fear is something that's built in the DNA of just human beings to keep us alive. So you don't want to shut it off. It's, it's just learning how to just put a little chain around it and you walk it instead. That's fine. It can be a motivator. It can be something that pushes you over the edge to do the next great thing. Um, and taking the risk and doing that is so key to just moving life forward because frankly, I would rather be afraid of everything I'm doing, everything, than sit there and be comfortable. That is more painful than than being fearful. I would rather be terrified every day. 100%. Like, that's amazing. And you're absolutely right. Like, I used to say, ah, be fearless, be fearless. No, Ah. be courageous. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't think we're looking for a world where there's no fear at all. It's you're, you're right. It's ingrained in us. Like back when, you know, natural gatherer days, yeah, like this is why we're alive. <laughs> run away from that burning building or yeah. like that tiger is going to get you and kill you. Yeah. You need the adrenaline to be able to save yourself. Yeah. And, you know, fear a hundred percent is what keeps us alive. And I, I don't think, I just think we've been taught that it's a bad thing and we don't have, I at least didn't get tools growing up to know how to navigate it. I was terrified of fear. I was scared of, of fear for sure. It's interesting. Cause you were really fast on skis down mountains. So, I mean, I ran away from it. Okay, <laughs> just cool. Away from fear. Just skied away. I just, ah, fuck it. Just no. Yeah. That's terrifying because I, I recently started skiing instead of snowboarding. And I got to tell you, there's a point at which you're riding the edge of where it's like, I'm going to break my neck or I'm going to push through and be all right. And that fear kicks in and it's what keeps you from doing something. That's also not just terrifying, but it also keeps you from like, pushing too, too far. Like where you're like, no, I'm not ready for that. No, no. So I don't know that feeling anymore in skiing. I I never am really afraid, but I will say I took up mountain biking and I very much, very much know that line. So, you know, I'm constantly teetering between, am I going to fall? Am I going too fast? And this is very comfortable. I'm, I'm safe and fine. And I love each time showing up and pushing it just a little bit more, um, you know, riding that line of fear. Cause I, I'm terrified a lot of the time. Do you wear that. a neck, do you wear a neck brace? I don't. Okay. I wear a helmet. What is wrong with you? You understand head injuries. You're a freaking athlete. Turn your brain on. It's mountain biking, not dirt biking. All right. Let me explain something to you here. You should see the look that I'm getting right now. I'm getting this, this motherly. All my (laughs) listeners know why all my listeners know why I recently, I used to ride mountain bikes. My shoulder doesn't have a collarbone anymore. It's permanently detached. I have a TBI. Okay. My husband was a professional supercross racer and we mountain bike. He has a TBI. My son rides mountain bikes. A TBI is in his future. And we own a neck brace company for a reason because we like our friends on two feet. What are you doing with your life right now? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. You got yeah, me. you are. Yeah. Because then what are you going to teach your little girls when your brain isn't working? Because, fun fact about TBIs, we can work on them but there's permanent damage and all it takes is one major hit. You know that. Why am I telling you? I do. You I do. I do. I genuinely do. I mean, TBIs are, are very common in ski racing. Yeah. You know, like you definitely, 
there's far, far, far too many concussions um, in many of the sports that I compete in. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I kid, but I'm, I'm fully hear you. And I, I, yeah, I know you do agree. <laughs> Good. Cause fun fact about TBIs and women, they're a lot harder to diagnose unless it's like a major hit yes. and they're a lot harder to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So well, because know. it's one of those things. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that just takes time. It's not a, a yep. rehab and get better. And every single one is unique and mm-hmm. takes, there's, there's no path, like clear path to healing. Well, know? there is now there are now there are ways yeah. now there's clinics. Yeah. There's ton of them that work with special operators, tier one, um, blast exposure, those types of TBIs as well as hits. I was actually just at a clinic in uh, Copel, Texas that runs one the resiliency brain health mm. center. And mm. they work with serious, like it's, it's game changing where my brain yes. is at before I went there. And now after it's kind of terrifying, Amazing. but it's yeah. interesting to watch girls, young girls, especially these athletes um, who've had hit, head hits like that to see where they're at now with their mental health, because there's things that go very, especially with women, because we're the last ones to go get checked. We're the first ones to put everyone else through. And often we don't find out about them till much, much later when we could have realized, Hey, maybe all the bad days mommy was having on the stairs. Wasn't just because mommy was having a hard time. It was because her brain was physically broken. So there's ways that we can always maintain and help individuals, especially with head injuries in, in professional athletes. If you've got all these girls coming up, my goodness, watching those head hits is no joke. Yeah. I know. Can I ask you, why do you think that girls and women don't get checked sooner? So I, I actually had a do- the dot, one of the doctors on yesterday the, that specializes in these TBIs and we talked about it and I said, she goes, you know, cause my husband went through the program and she goes, we knew you weren't coming until he went through. We just know that I was their first combat female ever female ever wow. because we don't, we, we put this, I think we put this idea on ourselves like anything else, because we see it either from learned behavior from a mother and like as, as our example. And the way I think our previous generations were, was a lot of times mom stayed in the home A lot of times moms were the ones that were doting. They were making sure everyone had the food cooked. They had the laundry done, the house clean, the groceries, all of this. That's a learned behavior. I learned that behavior. I learned my mom was a stay at home mom. I am not. It's a very different dynamic, but Mm -hmm. I learned that mom cleaned the house. I learned that mom did this. And I learned that mom always put everyone else above her. So whether that's innate because it's a, it's a motherly thing that we are bred because we physically push humans out of our bodies and make life because we're amazing. Um, I think we learn our behavior, nature versus nurture. It's always going to be, you know, which one's going to, which one's going to win, which one's going to, how much more are you going to get of each? And it's fascinating, but I really believe for me, at least I put everyone else ahead of me because I was always taught that's what you do. But then I also, as I became a mom realized I don't, I didn't care about myself It's not that I didn't think I was worth caring about, but at the same time, there was this tiny version of my husband and I walking around that I just wanted to keep alive. And I wanted Mm. to make sure I was the best for, and that, if that meant sleeping less or not keeping up on getting my hair done or not working out, or maybe just eating whatever was left on his plate, that's what I was going to do because it felt like that was the right thing to do. But now I don't believe that's the right thing to do. I believe that we now need to put so much more importance on self-care and on self-worth and where we, how we think and why we think that way, what we eat, what we put in our body, it turns into who we are. So why aren't we caring more about that? If you want to be better, start with what you put into your body. It will produce a better, whatever output you want to have. And so I think there's nature versus nurture there for sure. Um, like they said, there's a lot of people we grow up. We don't think that we're worth you know, we have the same value or the same worth. So that's just something if you're never corrected or fixed and, or worked on in these programs like Z girls that goes into adulthood. At the end of the day, a lot of us are just really hurt, tiny humans that have for no choice of our own grown up to be, you know, larger versions, not me. I'm still five foot. So grown up to be these versions and expected that we're supposed to be these wise ones when that's just yeah. not nah, yeah. kid. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have this armchair theory that like, I think it's a multitude of reasons, but I also feel like women, you know, question their own pain. You know, we're, oh, yeah. we're I think we're <laughs> super strong. I feel like we're, 
we're definitely like have a much, much higher pain tolerance than other humans. But I also think we're like, well, you know, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It can't be that bad. It's sure. It's, yeah. I'm sure it's fine. And yeah, it's fine. you know, just push through it. Like we're, we're, we have monthly pains that are, you know, yeah. we deal with those and we just brush it off and we keep working. So, you know, again, it's, it's just a, a armchair theory, but it, it, I just, I was curious what your perspective was on girls and women and, and why that trend, um, you know, why were you the first woman in that clinic? That's, that's heartbreaking to me. Um, but I'm grateful that you did that. Um, and you've been through it and now hopefully been an example to others. Um, yeah, we got some other help. women coming through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, cause I said, like, I, I had that discussion with another vet and she looked at me and she was like, yeah, now that I kind of heard it from you, I'm like, I yes. said, I said, you know, what's wild to me is the fact that you didn't think that you should like take the time for yourself for that. Like, I mean, I get it. I had to, I didn't know about it until I knew about it. Once I knew about it, I was like, I need to do something about it because I can't live like this. So mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta find, and frankly, I'd actually didn't think it was that bad. I thought that like the issues I were having, like chronic migraines and light sensitivity and vertigo. And just like, I was like, yeah, it was whatever. I get car sick. Yeah, whatever. I'm see? stressed out. Like, see? yeah, you're not wrong. You're totally right. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, yeah. see, it's just, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. I just, we, 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 cause you know why I think we've normalized things like that is because yes. we slowly die once a month, every month. And exactly. that's insane. Can you think it just for a second? No, the real reality is like straight up. If a dude, like any other human just like walked into a hospital, is like, I'm just bleeding. Yeah. Uncontrollably for a week. I, I, it just happens. Yeah. They would go, here's a swab of cotton, get back to work. And they'd be like, <laughs> Whoa, hold on. This dude just bleeds. Like there's something wrong. Like we need to figure this problem out. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's because we desensitize ourselves to these things. And again, we physically form humanity inside of us. So how, how can you not just be like, Oh, I just have a migraine. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. if you do, then I'm just like, you're soft. Like you stop being a snowflake, try harder. It shouldn't, it doesn't hurt that bad. Like you'll be fine. Yeah. I'm one of the worst for it because I was taught nature versus nurture. Again, I was taught like su- suck it up. Yep. Rub some dirt suck on it. it get out there. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't think that mentality is wrong in yeah. all things in, in things like mental health and in things like just, you know, human rights. No, that's super wrong. And things of like, you scraped your leg or like, maybe somebody said something that wasn't that nice, but you also know better. Like, you know, that it's like, okay, listen, focus up. We don't need to feel like this. It's not that big of a deal. Move on. No participation medal. Go live life. You'll be all right. But there are things that I'm like, yeah, you're talking about mental health. You're kind of talking about someone's depression. You're kind of talking about like, no, that's not a suck it up thing. That's what the military has done for decades. And now look at us. You get people like me having podcasts. <laughs> Give them a mic. <laughs> ah, that's what you do. It's concerning. So I think, I think you're right though. I think you're, I think that's a great theory. I don't think yeah. I would disagree with it at all. <laughs> yeah. Sad, oh, sad. You know, and, and one, it's one of the things that I, I am constantly trying to relearn, which is like listening to myself and trusting myself because I think you're right. I think there's a a balance between, you know, tough love and encouragement and support and saying, Hey, get back out there. Like, Hey, toughen up. You're going to get through this. And then listening to your knowing and saying, no, something is wrong, right? Something is wrong here. I need help or something is wrong with my body. I don't know what it is. My brain feels off Hmm. my, you know, my arm feels off. Or, you know, something, just learning to tune in with this tool, this body that we have, brain injury or not, you know, there's plenty of individuals that, you know, had a sensation or, you know, some sort of pain in their body that they ignored. And then all of a sudden it turns out to be cancer or it turns out to be a severe injury. They've been walking around with a stress fracture. Like, I, I, I do think there is zero education on tuning into and listening to our bodies and knowing our bodies, because of course, of course, medical professionals go to school and learn about bodies to help us tune into ourselves, but only, you know, your body the best. 
And how much of it do we really teach uh, individuals about really knowing their bodies? Like a lot of times, I mean, if you look at different cultures, different religions, people are like, your body's a secret. It's the Taliban. Cover it up. Like we don't, you know, like if you look at like even super, you know, super religious people, it's like women pleasure. Like that's not a conversation you can have. It's not something that we're knowing your body or being comfortable enough to even have those conversations with someone about your body. That's. And then there's a whole spiritual side of that, of really understanding yourself and, and understanding that it's okay to think differently or feel differently or, or, or any of those things. So I think, I think positive self-talk is what it comes down to. And if, because of Z girls, you guys are giving these lovely humans great positive self-talk that can help carry them through when these things get really difficult or when they're going through a bullying situation or when they're having Mm -hmm. a hard time at home, you give them positive self-talk and positive self-talk is the most powerful thing you can give an individual. It really is. Mm -hmm. I've seen it in work. It is, it is game changing. That's why it's used in sports psychology. That's why it's used around the world. That's why it's used in, in regular psychology, for God's sakes. If you can get somebody to love themselves and say to themselves when they're having a hard time, I love myself. It's okay. I'll be all right. Instead of I fucked up. I'm a mess. Nobody loves me. That's a, I mean, your worldview is going to be the polar opposites. Totally a hundred percent. And I will acknowledge it is hard. Yeah, it is hard. It is work. It is, it is just like any skill you learn in life. You can teach someone how to ride a bike, but you're not going to get in shape by staring at the bike. You have to get on the bike and ride it and you have to do it and you have to practice over and over again. So, and you're going to mess up and you're going to fall and you're going to make a mistake and you're going to get back up and say, Ooh, I messed that up. So, you know, I, I think working on ourselves and our mental health it's a practice and it's a lifelong practice and it's not something you master. It's you show up, you keep showing up for yourself and you keep navigating through it because it's, it's tough and it sucks sometimes, but we are so hard on ourselves and we are, we would never say the things that we say to ourselves, to a friend, a loved one. We would never, a lot of the time we won't even say it out loud. You're scared to share it with anyone because it's so terrible that saying it out loud makes it real, but you say it to yourself all the time. And I am in that boat as well. I do it as well. And I teach this stuff all the day long. So, you know, I, I guess I just share that to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not some person that has magical positive self-talk all the time. You know, there's days I wake up and I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to continue on doing, you know, something challenging, or I don't want to show up and I don't want to put in the work and, it's just, it's exhausting. Um, but it's really, really rewarding to know that I can encourage myself and, you know, I have these skills in my back pocket and also that I can lean on people when I need the support, because, you know, I do see a therapist. I do have a executive coach that I work with. I surround myself with people because I know that I need those tools and resources as well. Mm-hmm. No one's perfect. So, no and one's fact- perfect. No. And the fact that you acknowledge, like I can run Z girls and do this and be a mom and do all of these things, but there's still tools that I need to keep myself healthy and well, and you don't apologize for that. And I think that's nope. fantastic. Mm-hmm. So can Thank you tell you. me, well, you're so welcome. Can you tell me and where all of these listeners can find out more about Z girls and how they can help support programs like you? Mm, the best place is zgirls.org. Um, we're at go Z girls on all social media. And, you know, the best place to go, yeah, is our website. And if you feel compelled to support, just know that all the funds go to scholarships to making it possible for girls that can't pay to participate because we never, ever say no to a girl. So, you know, she, she puts what she can um, pay to participate. And if she needs a scholarship, she gets one. So we're really, we're really proud of that. And our intention is to continue doing that forever. And if you know an 11 to 14 year old girl, encourage her to come and join us, you know, check us out, be a part of it. Um, come to one session. Each season is six sessions. So come, come to one, come to six, see what it's about and see if it helps you. And, you know, we'll just keep sharing and doing what we can to make this world a better place. 
Well, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. And I'm so glad that you could actually take time to come share that with us and our listeners, because it's important. People like you are important and necessary in our world. So we will make sure to put all of those links in the bio and make sure to give everyone a push over towards you. And hopefully we can help supporting more girls become awesome human beings. Thank you so much for coming on. You stick with me. Everyone else, see y'all next week.